Bartenders. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, and joining me for this one were my fellow consumers of both the NBA and adult beverages, Jordan Coots and Caleb Clearman. This is somewhere between the third and fourth annual edition of this shtick, but for those who are new to the program, uh, this is where Jordan, Caleb, and I compare each NBA team to an alcoholic beverage or situation. Today's pod features our Eastern Conference analogies, uh, and tomorrow you'll hear just Jordan and I do the same for the Western Conference teams, so enjoy Caleb while you have him. Also know that there are a few times here where Jordan's audio connection couldn't be salvaged, so I had to cut him off a little bit early. Sorry, Jordan. But uh, hope you enjoy it. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, we're currently batting 1,000 on uh, five-star ratings, which is both cool uh, and a little alarming to the feds. So maybe like one or two four-star ratings would be nice just to keep the heat off a little bit. Uh, five stars, totally fine too. Enjoy the pod and enjoy this magical NBA season we're about to have. Welcome to what is, uh, I think, the fourth official edition of NBA Bartenders. One of those might not have been with all three of us, but uh, I am joined for the annual tradition here with uh, with Jordan Coots and Caleb Clearman, uh, where we compare NBA teams to alcoholic beverages or situations. Why? I have no idea how this really started, but uh, I'm glad we do it. Yeah, I have no idea how it started. Yeah, I mean, it's got to happen. We got to do some sort of summit, and we, I think we just decided to to start publicizing it and uh, do it in terms that we uh, are comfortable with and can understand. Yeah, I was going to say, these are like our two fortes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, just like, uh, well, I, I guess the third forte would be uh, Chinese geop- geopolitics, right? But we won't get into that. <laughs> For another podcast. Yeah. Like LeBron says, just, you know, kind of stay in your lane. Um, <laughs> uh, goodness. Uh, we won't touch that. We will just talk about the uh, the, the orange ball uh, and uh, an orange hoop here. Uh, but we'll start in the Eastern Conference, then Caleb will hop off, and then we'll, uh, we'll play the West. Um, we're going to start with the defending champion, Toronto Raptors. Uh, what do you got for the Raps? Let's start with you, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, the wraps for me, it's like drinking champagne alone after a party. And it's not necessarily the position you would love to be in, but I think it's happy that they're there. Like, they just came off a championship, and it's just like, that was a great night. Like, I'm doing my thing now. And honestly, they have some good pieces. Uh, Caleb, I'll, I'll just hop right in here, but I had the basically exact same thing as Jordan did. Um, I had it as it's a Sunday morning in college. Uh, you have a paper to write, but there is still some Andres left on the table and you're going to enjoy it and make sure that this thing doesn't go to waste. Uh, you'll worry about the logistics of how the paper gets written or how the season goes on for the, uh, the Raptors a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I think you're just still in kind of celebration mode. You got a lot of stuff to figure out, but that's, that's for, that's some other times problem. Marcus all probably still has no idea what day it is, uh, has been wearing sunglasses since June. Um, and like Jordan said, I still like that the, they have, you know, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, Stanley Johnson, OJ Ananobi. Uh, to kind of transform one of those guys into probably a piece because that's what they do. Page here, uh, I said <clears throat> the rap 
or the beer you crack open when you get home from like an awesome night out with all of your friends. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, so, yeah, like you were saying, Brandon. I mean, added Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson. It seems like they're just trying to get those three, four between long arms can defend multiple position type guys, and they're just going to roll them out there. Uh, the one thing I, I would look with with the Raptors is what are they going to do with that Kyle Lowry piece? I think that could be a possible um, trade piece, especially close to the deadline for a, a contender that needs a guard. Yeah, Phoenix will talk themselves into being a contender and go go get him. Um yeah, that's an important beer though, Caleb. The one you're talking about, the uh, the the, the post party oh, beer. Absolutely, it doesn't even need to be finished, and usually isn't finished. Um, but it it's it's satisfying because everyone's safe, uh, and you're not quite ready to give up on this, even though you probably should. Yeah, it's that's a really good beer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more just the act of opening it that matters at that point. Um, yeah, let's move on to the team that uh, that Toronto beat in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Caleb, will you start with this one? Um, all right. I had the Bucks as the final day of a Las Vegas trip. Hmm. Uh, it's it's still going to be really fun, but you might have lost some some key components to the trip. Maybe some people flew home. Maybe some people were like, "I'm too hungover to go out another night," but. You know, you're in Vegas, you're still going to have a good time, and that's how I feel like the Bucks are this year. They lost some really important pieces and didn't really replace them, but, I mean, they still have Giannis, the reigning MVP, who's, I think, only going to get better again. So they're still going to be right at the top of the Eastern Conference, but I don't think they're going to have as good of a regular season as they did last year. 60 wins is going to be hard to top. I think uh, Vegas Santa Tecumpo is a good nickname, um, and, and it helps complete the analogy there. Uh, I like that. Um, I had the Bucks as the key, like two or three seconds you have after an Irish car bomb is poured. That it has to get done right then, otherwise the curdling is going to take place, and then it's just no fun and yucky. Uh, the window may have curdled a little bit here for for the Bucks. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was great last regular season, uh, 484, 329, 750 splits. In the playoffs, goes to 411, 236, and 706, was just abysmal. Uh, Kawhi is out of the East, but I still feel like the Clippers and Sixers are designed to beat you. Um, so I think that a lot of what's going to be important for the Bucks here is can they get some sort of development out of DJ Wilson, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton. Can one of those guys really step up uh, and help replace Brogdon's production and consistency for this team to stay right where it was last year? Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with both of you, but uh, singing a slightly slightly different tune, I think, I think those guys do kind of step up to the plate, and I think kind of in the second year of this system, um, I think they'll be more refined. So with that, I said they were kind of like a fine red wine. Uh, similar to last year, obviously, they lost a few key guys, namely Brogdon. But I think they could I think they could be the team out of the East this year. Um, once again, I think Giannis still getting better, still improving. And then um, I, like I said, I think one of one or multiple of those guys takes takes a little bit of a jump forward and uh, is enough to 
replace Brogdon's productivity. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with with how Giannis's game kind of takes the the next step, that next evolution. I don't think we're going to see him, you know, hitting two threes a game, but there is something to be said for just kind of how he hit a wall against the very top competition in Kawhi last year. So, what can he do to to just make points out of nothing? Because uh, at a certain point, that's what this offense is going to need. To the Hawks, uh, the Hawks, the very the very young, very go for it, yeah. One more thing about the Bucks that none of us mentioned. Mm. Uh, we do get the Lopez brothers together. So and the Ata de Yeah, not not the uh the gauntlet, the uh infinity gauntlet of, of Antetokounmpo brothers, because I think the Lakers have one in their like attempt to, to woo Giannis uh, in a couple years. Um but uh but yeah, the, the Lopez comedy factor is gonna be really important. Um can we get them both on a low post podcast at some point? That that just is. I I feel like they've put up this shtick for long enough, and it might actually be true that they hate each other. Um, <laughs> so we just need to see it see it happen. Them brawling mid game would just be unbelievable. Oh yeah, I don't think it's impossible because they're they're both got several screws loose. Uh, all right, to the Hawks. Uh, I had the Hawks as the Dirty Shirley team, um, and I say that because. My first alcoholic beverage that I could order legally uh, was in Canada. I kind of froze in the moment and uh, and ordered a Dirty Shirley. And uh, looking back on it, probably would not would not be what I would have ordered. But um, that's you just kind of live and learn. And I think that's what the Hawks are going to be doing this year. Uh, the core of Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish, Bruno Fernando, plus the Nets pick this year is that. Good enough. This like because because they're gonna get so good that they just can't take in any more talent via the draft anymore. Um, so it's kind of just got to be this. What do you guys think? Is that is that a, a championship core? Um, I think I think for now that's a great start. Um, I guess the one thing that you kind of leave as like a there. I guess there's some possibilities there. Like if Hunter or one of those guys goes off, one of their another one of their young guys is really productive. There's always trade possibility there, trade bait. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think all things considered, like they have one of the maybe top three to five young cores in the league. So yeah, I think like, I guess you're kind of riding Trey Young at this point, um, just assuming he continues to develop. But to me, down the line, they could be a contender. What do you think? What do you, what uh, beverage you have for these guys, Jordan? Uh, I said, yeah, so kind of right in that same that same vein there um bottomless mimosas and that is just kind of just the beginning you're just starting to starting your day off and you're like this is going to be a fun ride um yeah so that was kind of where i was going with that one question for for you guys and it's specifically related to cam reddish because there's something here that that is confusing to me uh cam reddish in the nba rookie survey uh, got 19% of the vote for the best, but most likely to have the best career of any rookie in that class, which is I think third among among votes there, uh, behind Zion and maybe maybe John Morant. Um, and then in the NBA GM survey that just came out, he was also third uh, for most likely to be the best rookie in this class in five years. I I don't know. What's, that's got to be coming from somewhere. What are people seeing with Reddish that makes them think that he could really, really be the coup of this class? Can I take this one? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> as both of you know, I'm a pretty big Duke basketball fan and follow high school basketball recruiting pretty closely. 
And Cam Reddish, for most of the process, was actually ranked uh, above Zion and was kind of neck and neck with R.J. Barrett. Um, he actually, I think he finished above Zion in like the final um, recruiting rankings. But so when he went to Duke, I think he was kind of put on the back burner and that affected him kind of mentally. He had always been kind of the guy on his AAU team um, and was on a really successful AAU team coming up. Um, so I think kind of having the spotlight on RJ and Zion all of last year affected him more than people realized. And he really struggled with his jump shot, but that's the part of his game that is promising. And I think that's why so many people are so high on him is when he can get hot, he can really shoot the lights out. Yeah. I mean, I think the talent is undeniable. He just hasn't been able to put it all together thus far. But, I mean, he had one year at Duke. Like, who's not to say a second year there he would have exploded. Right. Um, and I think in that same poll, maybe maybe I'm incorrect here, I thought the rookies said that he was actually, I think he was overall the their top guy for um, career resume. Um, but, mm. I, I could, okay. but, yeah, I mean, it kind of scares me. People were, I mean, Bulls fan here, but people were kind of pegging – uh, him possibly to the Bulls this year, and I just didn't want anything to do with him. Like, too risky for me, a lot of upside, but I, I wouldn't have liked that pick. Yeah, I mean, if he had trouble really establishing himself with just RJ and, and Zion, I mean, where are the shots going to come from when he when he plays with Atlanta? Um, and they'll have more time to, to worry about that than, than Duke obviously did, uh, yeah. but it is interesting. Caleb, what drink did you have there? Uh, for the Hawks, I said I said buying a barrel-aged beer that you're, like, really excited about, but you know you got to let it sit for, like, a year or two until it, like, really hits its prime. It's a good one. Yeah, I like that, uh, especially if that beer has, like, really cool artwork that makes you just okay with looking at it for a while. You don't have to drink it. Yeah, it's just hanging out on your shelf, and you know, you know it's going to be really good one day, and I think that's – kind of the Hawks game plan and they're they're okay with that um but yeah, but yeah I don't I don't think this is going to be the year that they really explode onto the scene but they're more than happy collecting these young guys and kind of setting themselves up for the future I really hope uh Chandler Parsons Alan Crabb and Evan Turner who are all Atlanta Hawks I don't know if you knew that uh took take a picture together um because those guys make a combined 62 million dollars uh, and they are just the kings of the summer of 2016 when everybody got paid. Uh, and they are still reaping the benefits. And uh, probably none of them have to play more than like 20 minutes a game for a, a really fun young team. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, lead us off for the Miami Heat. Um, I said they're, uh, they're a mid-mojito. I said they're good and fun. But I don't know. There's something about – I mean, there's something about Jimmy Butler – we know what that something is. He's kind of crazy and maybe drives people nuts. But I just don't know if they're sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they maybe get you a top four seed in the heat. And I just don't think it's enough. Um, so, yeah, they're fun. And uh, there's some new faces. I really like Tyler Hero. But uh, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the long term answer there in Miami. Caleb, what do you got? Um, I had, so this is like your Saturday night, you buy a 24-pack, you know, you drink maybe half or two-thirds of it, 
and then the next day you're you're looking at it and you're like, do I need another 24 pack or should I just hang out with these ones? It just like Jordan was saying, it it just seems like it's not enough. And like I was saying earlier about um, the Raptors, I think I think this is a potential place for Kyle Lowry to end up, or maybe even Chris Paul. Yeah, th- there's definitely a, a, a lack of finality to this roster, just and it kind of has felt that way for a long time. That there's just so many pretty good players on it that it's actually not a benefit to have that many pretty good players uh, because they just don't have one guy to really get it done. Uh, I had the Heat as the double vodka Red Bull team because uh, when double vodka Red Bulls show up in your life, uh, you know that any potential for tonight to be a chill night is over. Uh, and they added the human double vodka Red Bull, Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard. Totally kidding. Uh, Jimmy Butler is that guy. Jimmy Butler is already talking about how he's up at 3 in the morning, um, just psychopathing his way through Miami already. The most indignant player in basketball uh, chose to be in Miami. The first choice he's he's made in a little bit here. Um, it's a good mix of reliable pieces around him. The James Johnsons, Kelly Olynyk, Bam Adebayo, uh, really nice, you know, young talent there, like Jordan, Jordan said with Hero. Um, but I think it kind of comes down to what the hell is Justice Winslow? Because if he's going to take the next step at some point, I'd like to have seen it already. Um, last year was kind of a revelation in that he, he kind of settled into a role as a distributor. Uh, but I don't think that's really his, his, end game i mean i don't know caleb if we want to lean on you for your duke expertise again one more time here uh but but winslow is is a confounding player to me yeah definitely and i i feel like he's kind of the the trade piece that miami is relying for him to improve a little bit and then he's the guy that they can ship out to maybe get another veteran player to to pair with jimmy um but yeah he's he's kind of had a weird he, he seems like he's one of those guys that just doesn't have a position and they don't really know what to do with him. I mean, really good defender, super athletic, but, I mean, his jump shot, is it, it just still hasn't developed, and that's that's something that's hurt him a lot. Yeah, we'll see. But I do think that he's kind of the this, this swing piece there um, with that roster. Caleb, what do you have for Detroit? Uh, Detroit, I have Bud Heavy. It's okay. Just, the same thing for a little bit. You know what you're getting. Um, I mean, they did add Derrick Rose. We'll see how that goes. But it just seems like they're kind of stuck in that six, seven, eight, you know, middle of the pack range. I don't know how they really get better. It seems like that Griffin contract and that Drummond contract are both kind of untradeable at this point. So they're just going to have to ride those guys and, and see what happens. Yeah, I had uh, basically the exact same thing, and I'm almost positive I've done this exact one before, uh, but I have the Pistons as 40 hands because they have two giant bottles <laughs> attached to their hands. One of them is Andre Drummond and his contract, and the other is is, is Blake Griffin, uh, and they're, they're not easy to drink. Um, I just want to know, July 1st, 2020, is there a party in the streets in Detroit when they are finally free of Reggie Jackson? God, there should be. Holy hell. He's been there forever. I feel like, and they've. It's just there's no you can't you can't move off that one. Yeah. No. I've. I've actually. I mean, you can't move off at of any of those. Like no. the three of them are, right? Yeah. Un- unsurprisingly, I've um, I've followed Detroit a little bit because favorite player Derrick Rose is there now. Mm. Um, 
everyone absolutely hates Reggie Jackson. I guess that's not surprising either, but it's I don't know if there's another guy in the league that like is that despised for the team he plays for. Um, Wait, are you are you talking about like fans or the people on the team? No, fans. Fans yeah. fans fans absolutely hate him. Yeah, they're over it. Yeah, completely. Um, so yeah, for Detroit, I had uh, showing up to like a nice a nice dinner party with Trader Joe's two buck Chuck. Like it's not bad wine for the value. You're you're getting something that's not terrible, but it's just not the roster that you want to show up to the NBA playoffs with. Like it's just not going to get it done. Um, at some point, you need to upgrade. Yeah, I felt bad for for Blake that whole first round series against the Bucks last year. He was playing so good and he was playing so hard, and it was they just had no chance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna look back on him and. I don't – I mean, we're getting the mellow stuff now. I kind of feel like we're going to get that with Blake because I don't know if it's going to fall off the cliff quite like it did with mellow, but you're going to just wonder what could have been and if it was somehow his fault that any of this really worked out the way it did. Um, and I don't know. It just kind of seems like he's just a, an unfortunate victim of circumstance. He signs a huge contract – assuming he's going to play his career out in, in L.A. because they, they tell him that he's going to play out the, his career out in L.A. Uh, and he gets shipped to just this this really dysfunctional franchise that has no plan for him. Right. Yeah, yeah you're no. going to look back on those Clipper teams and, you know, in 20, 25 years, there's going to be some young NBA fan that looks at that roster and they're like, how the heck did this team not win anything? Yeah, I mean that that series where they beat the Spurs um, and then ended up losing to the Rockets the next series. I mean that was that was their shot to 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 get it done. Uh, the first first year the Warriors uh, got it started there when they they beat Cleveland. Um, anyway, so let's move on to the Orlando Magic. And uh, Jordan, I know you are currently uh, enjoying a margarita, but I'm going to uh, to extend on the analogy here. The Orlando Magic to me are uh, the you're making a margarita or you're planning on it, and on your way home, you find a blender on the street that just says free. The uh, the free blender that I speak of is Markel Fultz. He fell into their lap. Uh, Philly was just trying to salvage something for them. Uh, but he kind of is going to work because they have a lot of weird pieces that need that glue, need the playmaking that Fultz, in theory, could provide. Uh, the problem with a free blender is that it might smell funny uh, and make like dying uh, possum noises, but it does diversify your offering uh, to kind of allow Jonathan Isaac, Mobamba, Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, all those guys to just kind of be secondary playmakers or secondary, you know, just do their their very defined roles and hit shots uh, rather than have to do step outside of that and make plays. Gotcha. I I uh I think if it hinges on Markel Fultz, um, to me that's not maybe the place you want to be. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Um, so are free blenders. Yeah. So I I guess I went a little different route with this. I said Orlando is like a shot of Everclear. Like it's it, it's just not it. Like you you gotta to me Orlando needs to. Um, needs to think about completely rebuilding. Get what you can for um, Vucevic, 
and um, just kind of go a different route. Uh, the worst place in my mind for an NBA team to be is when you're stuck between young guys who need minutes and like are, look like they're ready to play at the, at a, the highest level, and then veterans who are, are maybe worth something um, but are stuck on maybe a longer contract. Uh, Cleveland, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so, to me, yeah, they got to hit the restart button. But who knows if it's if Fultz really comes into his own, maybe that's what they need. They might host a playoff series regardless of how Fultz goes because the East is just so easy this me, year. That to me is crazy. If that's possible, we'll, we'll but, get through the rest of the East and, and then think about it. But I mean, if it, they they were. Play. I mean, they they played. They beat Toronto in that first game of the playoff series, and then Toronto kind of figured it out after that. But uh, all that plus another year of of whatever you get from Bamba. Hopefully, Isaac takes a step takes a step forward. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Caleb, what do you got? Yeah. So I had I had a couple things here just to <clears throat> kind of piggyback off of what Jordan was saying. I I used to be a big believer that if you were kind of in the situation the Magic are in, that you need to blow it up, but I've, I don't know, maybe this is just me maturing and getting older, but I, I think that Orlando, like the, if you're not looking at it as a fan perspective and you're looking at it as just like a business perspective, is they're happy making the playoffs. Like that's, that's what they want to do. They realize that they're not going to challenge for titles. And, you know, that might make some of their fans mad, but they, they want to make the playoffs. They want to be competitive. And I think they're in a really good situation to do that. They, like you said, they have the young pieces. They've got some veterans to mix in with it. So I had the the magic as the one beer that's just always on tap at your local bar. It never leaves. You know it's reliable. You know it's going to be pretty good. Um, and just to, I mean, they went forty two and forty last year, and their projected win total this year is forty one and a half. So just <laughs> same steady. You know it's going to be the same thing. Um, and I think their biggest piece is, like you guys have said, is Aaron Gordon. Um, I found a little stat here that when he scored 20 points last year, they were 16 and 8. So, I mean, he's he's the focal point of that team. They need to get him going early. They need to get him going often. I think if if he keeps, you know, progressing the way he has the last couple of years, they're going to be in a good spot to make the playoffs be competitive. Sounds good. Yeah, I uh, I can't promise that my purple colored glasses for Markel Fultz are gonna gonna come off at any point during this podcast because there's a lot of optimism for former Huskies uh, throughout this pod. But that's okay. Uh, let's move on to the Nets. I totally forget who's up already. I think it would be. Me. I think it's me. Okay. Yeah. Hit it. I was going after Jordan, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had. Uh... Well, you did you do the Pistons? It's irrelevant. Uh, I did. So, yeah, it's you. Go for it. All right. Uh, I'll keep it quick. I had the Brooklyn Nets as uh, deciding to order shots with dinner before you go out, Um, meaning that they are locked in on tonight. And by tonight, I mean this, like, little bit of a window that you have with the rest of Durant's career uh, being that kind of night. Um, They bet on their core, the uh, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert core, um, the young guys around, or Joe Harris in there too, to, uh, being a, good enough to supplement KD and Kyrie when when KD is healthy. Uh, I don't know about that. 
Katie says, I want to come here, and all you have to do is just sign my really talented buddy who believes that interdimensional space frogs are going to rule the galaxy. Uh, you might just have to say yes to that um, 10 times out of 10, and that's kind of what forced their hand on that. Uh, but it is interesting that it seemed like they were in it for this long haul, uh, even probably when we were doing this podcast of thinking of them as like, you know, if you had to guess when Brooklyn would be somewhat of a contender, you'd probably guess into the early 2020s. Uh, but here we are in October 2019, and um, they are probably thinking of themselves as an Eastern Conference contender uh, as early as next season once KD is healthy. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think they're obviously stoked with where they're at. Um, I kind of liken them to a good mystery shot. Like, you get you get a mystery shot at Rolling Log, and it turns <laughs> out to be something phenomenal. And um, it's like, wow, we really got something here. Another round of mystery shots. But um, with that being said, they kind of struck gold in terms of what has happened with their, well, I guess not KD's injury this year, but um, with their draft success, recent draft success, and then obviously who has, who has decided to come there in free agency. Um, I think their young core is, I don't know if I would say better than most people think, but I think with KD, they are definitely good enough to be the team out of the East. Yeah. That's, so a couple things here. I had Brooklyn as you ordered uh, like a double of a drink and, and the bartender only poured you a single shot in your drink. Mm. So you're a little disappointed. Um, and that's, I think that's going to be this year. Um, it seems like, you know, they might, they, th- they are going to, appear to be competitive but we we all know that really next year is the year that this is all going to come together um when when durant's healthy um but the other thing i was going to say was brandon you really seem kind of down from a couple years ago when you went <laughs> on i've been rant about the state of the brooklyn brooklyn nets and their front office and weird artwork in the halls so yes are, Still in on Brooklyn, or, or how are you feeling about that? Still definitely in on Brooklyn, and it's a testament to their weird artwork in the halls that they were able to make this happen, um, considering where they were just a few years ago, considering er, and, and to where they are now, where two of the top 15, you know, one of the top three guys in the league, once they hit free agency, uh, want to spur their really pretty decent situations to come to, to play with you. Um, even, you know, with that core being uh, somewhat of a question mark, um, you know, Jared Allen didn't really take a huge step forward last year, but he's obviously got a lot to like, uh, I think it kind of comes down in a lot of ways to Karis Levert. And a lot of people have speculated that it's either, it's either him that he's that third guy or he gets flipped for that third guy. Um, and I I hope it's the former. I, I would love to see him stick it through because I think this organization's invested a lot in him. Uh, but uh, but I don't know if KD and Kyrie next year gets you there. Wait, you mean DeAndre Jordan isn't the third guy? DeAndre Jordan is just the best hype man in basketball right now. He is He has made a career out of uh, YouTube dunks and being a really, really good dude. And... Good for him because, you know. That was the weirdest thing. Well, actually, I shouldn't say because we've had this whole China thing. But that whole, like, oh, they got those three guys and it was they got the big three and DeAndre Jordan was the third piece was, like, 
has anyone watched DeAndre Jordan the last couple of years? I don't know. That that's that was strange. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I think they were just kind of kidding. They're like, "All right, let's see if anyone actually believes us here." Um, yeah, De- DeAndre is there to wave towels, and, but the problem with that is that he does like that's nice, but, but he's making like fifteen million dollars exactly, and he also gets in the way of Jared Allen. Like if you're if you're saying that this is a next year team, you want Jared Allen to be good to go next year, and if you have to give, you know. 18 minutes a game or have to have DeAndre start, I'd feel weird if I'm Jared Allen, but yeah, Jared Allen wears ninja, ninja headbands. So maybe he doesn't feel weird about anything. Uh, let's move to the Charlotte Hornets, which I know we've all been dying to talk about uh, this team full of upside. Uh, I started this one. So that would be back to Jordan. I think it's me. Yes. I had, um, this is the phase you went through in college when you were all about shots, and I said that <laughs> primarily because of Terry Rozier. Uh, well done. Well done. Double entendre there. He's just so excited. He's going to shoot so many jump shots this year and make so much money, <laughs> and they're going to be so bad, and Terry couldn't be happier. Combined Terry Rozier, Malik Monk field goal percentage over under 820 combined yeah so like 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 four four ten plus four fifteen so that's yeah yeah gets you there i might take the under uh, i don't think malik monks has, has shot a field goal percentage that starts with a four in his career yet i'm looking this up this is this is going to be infuriating if that's true yeah 39 percent terriers here go for it <laughs> Uh yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be nasty and yeah the the lack of a plan in Charlotte has been apparent for a while. Uh the the article that came out um where the front office admitted they were, they were shocked that Kemba Walker made an All NBA team, uh leading to him having to be paid more money. Um, I don't know what what yeah yeah the, uh, Mitch Kupchak said that they they were not prepared for him to make an All NBA team, therefore increasing the amount of money that they would have to pay him this off season. Uh, they, they like just didn't know that was a rule, or they didn't expect him to make All NBA. They they knew it was a rule, I assume, but they did not expect him to make an All NBA team and therefore have to command the uh, the max deal that he got from from Boston this summer. Yeah, um, might want to have prepared for the doomsday scenario there. Um, and you know, there's a reality where they flip. Uh, flip Walker for something that that puts them in a much better situation than they are now, than rather than letting literally their best player uh, maybe ever. And in fact, if you go to Basketball Reference, uh, if you go to like the the franchise pages, it'll tell you like the most. I think by 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 war probably the 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 best Hornets or best Lakers or whatever of all time. The uh, Charlotte Hornets top five is Kemba Walker, Gerald Wallace, Bugsy Bogues, Larry Johnson, and Steph's dad. That is the top five Charlotte Hornets ever, uh, which is just hilarious and sad at the same time. I had them as my uh, – you guys hear about the, the edible scotch pods that were making their way? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jordan, you did not hear about these? I did not. Okay. Uh, so the Glenlivet, the, uh, the, the, bur- or the, uh, the scotch company, made these pods that are cocktails encased in seaweed film. So they're literally just boozy Tide Pods. And they come in three three flavors, uh, citrus, spice, and 
Wood. <laughs> That's the name of the flavor. Wood. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets are the Wood Tide Pod. Um, they are just not going to be very good. Yeah, I, I like some of the pieces. I like P.J. Washington. Um, I, I want Malik Monk to be good really, really badly. But uh, this, this season is just going to be rough. And they still have to pay Nick Batum so much money. And because of that, he could help a, a playoff team. But he's just he's, – he's, untradeable contract that they gave him uh which is which is too bad how many years years left does he have is he a potential buyout guy i don't know it's a big pill to swallow and he's not that good yeah that's true harry rose years never had a year where he shot above 39.5 percent and monk has a shot above 38 percent likely so my my over under was way too high uh by about 50 points then god uh okay well that would be back to jordan then for the knicks the knicks um this is so caleb you said you were drinking whiskey uh i said um i said this is whiskey for me in that there, it's not good to me yet, but I at least see some sort of direction. Like, yes, it's alcohol, and I guess that's one thing, but I at least am starting to see, like, some semblance of a fuller roster. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but, and I'm not necessarily the biggest R.J. Barrett fan, but... I see that they're kind of at least maybe trending upward. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that if Knicks fans like Alonzo Trier, they're going to love RJ Barrett. Um, if if, <laughs> if Alonzo Trier's ISO shit uh, gave them hope that they had a, a a nice rotation scorer on their hands, then my goodness, they're going to like Barrett. Uh, the body type is there. the The physicality is there. The athleticism is there. Um, so he looks the part. It's just can he can place a, a different kind of composed sort of basketball um, that we haven't really seen from him, other than the kind of bull in a china closet experiment we saw at Duke. Um, I'll I'll just hop in here. I had the Knicks as getting iced uh, just for what happened to them this offseason in terms of expectations versus reality. Uh, these are real texts from real Knicks fans in my life. There are a couple of them. I, they will rena- remain unnamed. Uh, this is You can guess what time this was. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, KD, Anthony Davis, champions! Exclamation mark. Didn't happen. Uh, if AD comes to New York, dot, 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 one of KD or Kyrie absolutely come. If Kyrie doesn't come, then Kemba. <laughs> so... Uh, through all of that, all you have is Dennis Smith Jr. and R.J. Barrett. Um, and instead of KD, Zion, Anthony Davis, or Kyrie, or Kemba, the Knicks got Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Wayne Ellington, Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock, and Marcus Morris. Uh, a bunch of competent players. None of them are great players. And like Jordan said earlier... Why would you want a bunch of pretty good players? Why would you want to try and maintain some sort of mediocrity in the East when you can just bottom the hell out 
and all those guys are just going to do is block minutes for uh, for Mitchell Robinson and Frank Nielkina and Dennis Pitt Jr. and Trier and Kevin Knox um, instead of just getting those guys run and having them lose 65 games and put them in a good position to, to be right back at the top of the lottery like they were this year. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's a completely fair point. Um, I guess kind of where I was going with it is that at least they're trying. Like, it, it seems like in years past, there was one there was one starting lineup that showed, like, literally, it was like Lance Thomas. Like, it was, it was a guy. Yeah, like, it was just, it was just so bad. So at least they're going out there and, like, they're giving, they're getting serviceable people. But, yeah, with that being said, I guess they probably should give the minutes to guys uh, who you're trying to develop. Um, at, least, at the very least, some talent on the roster. Yeah, I mean, Rand- Randall's a good player, and then it'll help help them. Uh, Bobby Porter, same thing. Ellington's nice, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's it was so clearly not the plan, especially when you have their GM Steve yeah. Perry coming out and saying basically we're sorry after they didn't get KD. Uh, that everyone you signed after that was going to be this like, you know, plan B that's very publicly your plan B when I don't even know if you needed a plan B. Just go back to square one, you know, get some guys to fill out the roster and just, just run it with the young guys. Yeah. Caleb, what do you got? Yeah. I, I think you guys are uh, looking at this through the, the wrong lens and you're looking at it through rational um, damn it <laughs> thinking um, and you just have to accept the fact that no one in the Knicks organization has any idea what they're doing um, so when you look at it through that scope my drink of choice for the Knicks was you walk into a bar and you order 10 shots you take all of them and then you immediately go outside and throw up all over yourself <laughs> um yeah, they, they had this master plan. They were going to get the first pick. They were going to get Zion. They were going to get KD. They were going to get Kyrie. And this is now the second time we've seen in a crazy free agent class where these guys go and meet with the Knicks and they say, why the hell would I want to play there? Um, so that starts at the top, and I think we know that. It's James Dolan, and it works its way down. No one has any idea what they're doing here. It's not going to get better until he leaves I don't understand why they made all of these signings trying to be competitive. It's terrible. Like that's like your fans don't want mediocrity. They either want you to make the playoffs or they want you to suck and get the first pick. And and they're stuck in this now middle ground where I I know I said that you know, I I think it's good for a team to try to make the playoffs, but this team isn't gonna make the playoffs. This team is terrible. So I don't know what the vision is. I don't think there even is a vision for the Knicks. It's bleak if you're a New York fan. Um, I honestly feel bad for the fans at this point. Yeah, the the other part of this, and the name that hasn't been said in any any of of any of the points that we brought up, is is Kristaps Porzingis and the they traded for nothing. Well, I mean. The 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 bill that could be sold to the fan base is yeah we 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 that was a sunk cost he was not a part of our plans he didn't fit the culture but the problem is is you can't even claim culture because you don't have any uh, and they traded him for a couple firsts from the from Dallas and a few for the next couple of years uh, what do you think those picks are going to be you know the middle middle of the uh, of the lottery picks 
Um, and you know, this is the same same franchise that same ownership group that picked Ronaldo Balkman with a middle of the first round uh, pick back in the day. So I don't know. There's just no no plan. You turned a a a A plus S class asset into um, you know some some stuff down the road. Um, and nothing you did this offseason matches your plan to to supplement those those Dallas picks. You know, it's just it's it's a weird weird deal, and they they effed it up and uh, stepped in it, and then tried to clean it off their shoe, and it's still there. And then they got into Uber, and that's there, and they have to pay for that. Uh, so it's it's bad uh, in uh, in New York. Um, I think it's back to me. Let's uh, let's go to the Celtics. Um, I have the Celtics as your Captain Morgan water break. Um, the the Kyrie Irving experiment is over. Um, it did not work. It didn't really even get anywhere close to working. The Celtics were at their best without him in the 2000. Would that have been 18 playoffs? Um, the the question for me as a as if I'm a Celtics fan is to to wonder. Uh, is Brad Stevens capable of of coaching the you know the very top talent or dealing with personalities like that? Because the locker room didn't really turn on him; it just kind of turned on each other uh, at some point last year. Um, so is he just better off with these plucky and overachieving teams, which is fine? But the problem is those teams have ceilings, uh, and you need to be able to coach that that top tier talent. And maybe Kyrie is just an anomaly in that, and just a difficult guy to deal with. Um, but this team just needs a break, and I think that with Kemba Walker, they're going to get that. Uh, Kemba has never had this much talent around him, um, and so the question is just basically, can he toggle his usage rate down uh, and still be useful as a distributor and a and a you know just a shot maker at the end of a shot clock uh, and not have to do as much? Um, so is is he you know comfortable with doing that, uh, or is he a guy that just needs the ball? similar to how much Isaiah Thomas needed the ball um, a few years ago in this offense, but that was before Tatum had developed, before Brown had developed. Um, so it's it's a, it's a weird situation there, but I, I do think ultimately that this team is just going to bet on culture, uh, that Kemba is a better fit there. The real th- problem with them is that they are just so thin up front. You have Enos Cantor, Robert Williams, uh, Daniel Tice, Grant Williams, and then Taco Fall. That's like your your front court. Like legitimately uh, issues there. So can Tatum play the four, and can they get away with playing small? Um, but then you have to play Cantor, and I don't know. It's it's uh, it's good enough to, to do really well in the East, um, especially if if things go well with Tatum and his development. But uh, this this team is is nowhere near as bright as it looked uh, just a year ago. When I I I remember last year talking about how they just had boundless assets uh, and we're going to be great but uh but here we are yeah i mean i think i think another couple guys that you can kind of throw in there that can maybe play some small ball for and play it probably pretty well like jalen brown he's he's a big dude and um who knows like grant williams people are saying is one of the steals of the draft like if he pans out that would do them yes um but I, I think that this is almost kind of like running it back in the same, in a similar mold with what they did with Kyrie, in that they're not necessarily taking a chance, but they picked up a point guard and they have a pretty good roster around them. 
Um, I guess another another thing that could be working in their favor is it sounds like everyone's a lot higher on Gordon Hayward this year than they were last year. They're saying his like bounces back. I had um, the Celtics as White Claw, and just because you're you're relying on the youth movement to kind of push you, um, it seems like they're. You know, the experiment last year didn't work, so they're just kind of going to go all in on Tatum and Brown and and see what they ha- really have with those two. Um, have you guys heard this report that Tatum, like, apparently grew and, and he measured, like, 6'10 with shoes now? If uh, if his sprouting of facial hair is any barometer that that's true, then, uh, then I would believe it because he has kind of a beard now uh, that he did not have a year ago. Yeah, so I... I Guess they're gonna like try to use him as more of like a four and sometimes even a five this year, which will be super interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, a lot is on him, um, and that's a guy that I remember in the heat of that uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs and LeBron's last year. Um, you know, it's it's like us three are talking about what are Jason Tatum's career, like, can he win an MVP odds? And it feels very far removed from that. But uh, that that player that we all saw break out in those playoffs <laughs> is definitely still there, the frame, the shot-making ability. Um, and uh, it's just kind of, can he can he go, you know, take a step forward after after last year's kind of weird year that I think everyone in that organization would be willing to just kind of write off because it was it was so strange. Um, uh, let's go back to Jordan then to kick us off with the Wizards. All right, here we go. Um, the annual black pig team. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This year goes to the Wizards. Um, black pig, as you guys know for sure, is, uh, my uncle Oli, who is Danish. It's his homemade, uh, his homemade alcohol. Um, it's, it's a very salty version of like Yeager. Um, and say it's not good. Caleb, what do you got for the Wiz? For the Wizards, I had, uh, warm vodka shots. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's just gross. Nothing about it is good. They just gave Beal that big extension, so... I don't know what the plan is there. Maybe they try to trade him. Personally, I think they should because there's no way you're getting off that John Wall contract. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for the Wizards, but it certainly isn't bright. Yeah, can't they? Uh, they they just got Beal to that deal, and I I don't know if you can trade uh, him for another six months, right? If it, yeah, so. So yeah, February seventh is the trade deadline, and that's in four months. So <laughs> Beal is going to be a wizard, um, at least through through this this NBA season, um, which is it's yeah. I mean, it just seems like that's their opportunity to get out of this. Um, you, the the John Wall thing is 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 what it is. You're not getting off of forty five million dollars. Uh, you know, the 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 Thunder were able to do it with Westbrook, and the Rockets were able to do it with Chris Paul because. Um, those players are still valuable um, in one sense, uh, and those two teams were willing to just kind of make that swap. There's no counterweight to John Wall. That's another huge contract that's also injured um, that can make that happen. I had the Wizards as the, my uh, bourbon soda team, and if you've never heard of a bourbon soda, 
you are with me in that. I was just back in Seattle at uh, Still, uh, Still Liquor. Um, it's a Cap Hill haunt, and uh, Sean Carr, good buddy of mine who you both have met, uh, he ordered me two of those, at least two of those from, from my recollection. Uh, I love free drinks, um, but a bourbon soda is just not what I would have ordered, and I would have gone in a completely different direction in that, In and if I'm in uh, both Sean and the Wizards, I would have tanked. I would have gone uh, far away from this current situation where uh, on next week you're going to roll out Isaiah Thomas, Brad Beal, uh, Troy Brown, Davis Bertans, and Thomas Bryant as your starting five, uh, and that is... It, it just ain't gonna do it. I'm sorry. There's just no. There's no way that that team is talented enough um, to uh, to compete. And maybe that's the point. Is if you trade Beal, then you're really not talented enough, and then you have a product that's just an absolute bummer to watch. Um, but there's there's just got to be and there's got to be a better way out of this. Yeah, because I don't know what what way out there there would be. And didn't they hire Sashi Brown, like the guy who blew up the, the the Browns? I don't know. I thought they did. Um, the Wizards? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I trust him. He, he he did made Cleveland. I mean, who knows? Because the whole Cleveland thing doesn't look great on uh, on that side of things. But, uh, but yeah, weird. Um Anything else on the Wizards, or can we just put them to bed? No, let's, yeah. let's just murder them. <laughs> uh, Caleb, start us off with the Indiana Pacers. All right, the Indiana Pacers I had as jello shots. Uh, right off the bat, they're going to be fun. You got you got a bunch of people around you're usually doing them with, but you know it's really going to ramp up when that jello dissolves in your stomach and that liquor hits you, and I'm kind of – saying that is when Victor Oladipo gets back. Um, the Pacers had a, I would say, the best offseason of any team. They they got some really good pieces, bringing Brogdon in, bringing TJ Warren in, Justin Holiday, TJ McConnell. Um, it seems like they're kind of gearing up for for a run at this. Um, but but like I said, getting Oladipo back healthy, and it, it sounds like no one really knows when that's going to be, is, is the big thing for them. Yeah, in, injury corner there. Uh, Dr. J, do you want to provide any insight with the Oladipo thing? Uh, honestly, everything I've been hearing is kind of what, what Caleb said, is they it, it doesn't seem like they're looking to rush him back. So I heard that he could be ready to go as early as like end of October, but they might keep him out until December. So that's probably just a team thing, like just kind of banking on their roster at that spot now with Brogdon and like Jeremy Lamb being good enough to kind of fill in for him and kind of, you know, everything status quo for a little bit until he gets back. Um, but I mean, the biggest thing is that he just comes back healthy, obviously. Yeah. Good stuff. I, uh, I had the Pacers as my beer flight team. Um, they beer flights are great. You get to pick what you want. You get good variety. You get to basically order four things at once when you don't know what to get. Uh, but you can't do beer flights all day. Eventually, you kind of need the centerpiece. You need to ramp it up. Uh, and 
that centerpiece is is Oladipo, as as Caleb was saying. But uh, with with what they have, I mean, they have a little bit of everything on that roster. You add T.J. Warren, which is going to be nice for uh, getting good, efficient shots without without Oladipo. Obviously, Brogdon, Brogdon is just captain efficiency. Uh, Jeremy Lamb had a nice season last year. Justin Holiday is a, a rotational piece, um, and then you, with the the core guys there in Turner and Sabonis. Um, and I think they're you know until Oladipo comes back, they're a high basement, low floor team that just you know, needs that one piece. And like Jordan said, with the team thing, uh, you're Indiana. You don't, you don't get guys like Victor Oladipo who look like stars in this league, uh, when they're healthy. So you really have to protect that, that asset, uh, because he will be a free agent again, I believe after next season. Um, so making sure that you get the most out of this run with Oladipo is, is important. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I said, I said they're your favorite generic beer cider. Like, they're maybe not the flashiest product, but they're still a really good kind of timeless product. Um, it's funny, I, I kind of compared this to uh, what I did two years ago, and it's it's kind of crazy how, how things can change so much. I said about the Pacers two years ago, I said they were one mimosa, and it's, like, <laughs> not what you're ever looking for. And now, I, like, we're all saying that they're in a really good spot. So... It, it's it just goes to show you how one move in a Paul George trade, which if you're looking at it just on paper, wouldn't maybe make the most sense, can really be a good thing for a team. Yeah, it's it's funny to look back on that because I think we did that, you know, thinking that like what the heck are they doing trading Paul George for Oladipo and Sabonis, but none right. of us really expecting Oladipo to take the step he did, and Sabonis yeah. has turned into a really really good young piece for them so yeah yeah i mean they won that trade obviously i think since george has moved on to (laughs) first now uh yeah maybe i mean if 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 you think about oklahoma city as also now having shea and and all the pieces that came out of that um who knows but but either way it worked out for indiana um what was i gonna say oh sabonis does he finish the season as a pacer I would, I would think so. Yeah, you're probably right because again, you have a, you have a good thing. But invested in this roster they have, they kind of want to see how it plays out. But who knows? I think it depends, I think it depends a lot on how that that rookie looks. Um, that the oh, go go go, Batanzi. Exactly. They're saying he's kind of the truth. So um, we'll see if he can kind of. I guess they're similar similar style players. Um, so maybe he can kind of fill in for him, and they don't really have as much of a need for a guy like Sponis. Uh Well said. Okay, uh, to the Cavs we go. I had this team as a bad jalapeno margarita in the sense that the, uh, the, the jalapeno dose is a little too high on this. This team is too spicy, and by that I mean uh, they have too many point guards. Count them. <laughs> Brandon Knight, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Matthew Delvadova, Darius Garland. Uh, that means that your wing. <laughs> What's that? I said I counted five. Yeah, that's uh, you're, you're right, and that's the problem. Uh, that means that when you have a roster built like that, that your wings are Jetty Oseman, Dylan Windler, Sandarius Thornwell, and that is it. <laughs> um, there's a clear hole there, and it the the Darius Garland pick was an obvious bet on talent. Uh, people are very very high on him. Uh, there was rumors that the Lakers wanted him uh, in that pick had they kept it uh, there at four before they traded it to to New Orleans. Um, I think I have that right to yeah. to Atlanta. Yeah, 
but uh, the, this 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 team is very imbalanced. It's not anywhere near a finished product. They're going to be bad. I really don't know if Colin Sexton is the guy. Uh, I mean, he's a six-two shooting guard in practice. I mean, he's he's just doesn't distribute the ball nearly as well as you'd like. He doesn't shoot well enough. Uh, he's yeah, he's he's a baller and someone that you know you go to war with. But um, like, is call is Pat Beverly like the eighth pick in a draft? I don't know. Um, so they're gonna have to experiment a lot with that Sexton Garland pairing to to figure out what you have there long term. Uh, maybe they'll figure something out, but they are going to lose a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess I guess if that's what you're kind of fine with losing a lot then then it's fine but i mentioned earlier it's kind of my my least favorite area to be is having veterans good veterans on long-term contracts who kind of keep you in it like a guy like kevin love yeah who who like still can produce but is hindering minutes from young guys but you're not fully tanking like to me it just doesn't make a lot of sense that signing i was like why why would they why would they continue to sign him i don't really get it to me, that signing was almost like we like you, and so we're going to sign you. It didn't. It just didn't make sense, though. Um, that was talked, that was like a like we desperately need a, a PR win after we lose something. LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um, we talked about the other day how Brandon's fantasy team is kind of all different variations of uh, Giannis, starting at Giannis and kind of going down. And Brandon mentioned that. Um, that Kevin Love was kind of like the the <laughs> dumpster diving version of Giannis, and uh, missing I, an eyeball. I had, uh, yeah, I had Cleveland as warm steel reserve because it's something that we probably <laughs> dumpster. Uh, yeah, just yeah. just not not great in Cleveland. Yeah, you just find you find the can in there, you shake it a little bit, and hear some hear some drops in there, and you're like, hell yeah, this thing's still going. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're 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 yucky. Caleb, what do you have? Uh, so I was kind of looking at this from a much different perspective than the two of you. Um, I I do realize that the Cavs are going to be really bad this year, but I had them as when your roommate in college showed up and surprised you with a half gallon of Jaeger, and you were just gonna you were just gonna rip into a couple shots and see what happened. And I think that's kind of the attitude in Cleveland. They've They've got Garland. They've got Sexton. I think they want that to be their backcourt moving forward. And one big thing that neither of you mentioned, and I was very surprised, is they hired John Beeline, who has been arguably the best basketball coach in college for the last five, six years. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with Garland and Sexton. He's you know, had some really good guards at Michigan there. He's an amazing defensive coach, um, super efficient on offense. So I think that piece is going to be important to developing, you know, some of their young guys. Um, but, yeah, like I said, they're not going to be good, but I think they're kind of on the right track, and I think that starts with, with Beeline. That's a good point. Uh, Beeline has gotten a lot out of a little for a very long time at all of his stops, and they hired Beeline a month before the draft. Um, so them still keeping Sexton and going in on Garland, 
uh, yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing to 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 give them the benefit of the doubt, but I still think that it's going to come at the 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 cost of a lot of games as they figure out yeah, how that absolutely. thing's going to work. But they don't. I don't. I don't think they're really worried about winning basketball games this year. I think they're invested in those two young guards, and I think they got a really good coach to kind of guide them and help yeah. them through the process. And I like Dylan Windler too. I think he, he's he's going to be solid, um, but just not not a guy that you want to be starting in NBA games like they might have to. Uh, the Bulls, uh, I don't even know where we are anymore, but I think Jordan, it's only fair. Take it away. Uh, yeah. Um, so you know that, that girl that was just like, just trying to figure out what is, if kombucha is good or not. So <laughs> Chicago, Chicago is alcoholic kombucha for me. Like, I just don't know what the hell they are. Um, like I, I left the pieces like it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like a full just cohesive team to me mm-hmm. um, um i guess colby white could be good but um I, I don't i just don't see him being a pure point guard like i don't know if he's had an assist honestly in the in preseason yet um they have some good pieces, obviously Markinen, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Otto Porter, and I think he kind of fits any style, so I like him on the team. Um, and Wendell Carter I love, but I, I don't know what they're doing up front exactly. So they're a mixed bag for me. Uh, I had something very similar for these guys. I had uh, the Chicago Bulls are stirring a drink that requires shaking, um, and it's it's like – Dude, you can't just stir that. There's an egg white in there. Like you gotta, you really, you really gotta mix that around. Uh, and that's the bulls. They have to find the right mix here. And I, I, I was kind of going back and forth on this because, like, damn, I, I really do like some of the pieces in theory here. Um, right. I think the point guard situation is is really interesting. Um, love Markinen, love love Wendell Carter. I think that's a really good pairing there. Uh, Otto yep. Porter was was just a nice pickup um, for the price tag. I'm wondering for for Jordan for Caleb, who do you think starts the most games at point guard this year between Kobe White, Sadoransky, and and Chris Dunn? I I think I'd go Sadoransky. Right now they have him as the starter, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him too. I think he'll he'll start the most games, but I think White is obviously the guy for the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sadoransky is just totally okay with taking six shots in a game, and that that is what this roster needs. Because when Zach Levine is your other guard, uh, you know shots are at a premium. And Levine, I think, had a really you know positive step last year, um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. And his his length is is a nice piece. He's not the most athletic guy, but yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a Sadoransky believer at least for the short term. Either way, yeah, it, ain't, yeah. it ain't Chris Dunn. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But with that being said, I still think Chris Dunn, like like you said, like he's going to get minutes. He's going to play a part on this team. Um, but I think his, if he doesn't really turn a corner, I think his time might be short lived in Chicago. Yeah, Caleb, what are the what are the Bulls to you? Uh, I had the Bulls as champagne, but like not in a good way, just because there's a little pop, there's a little fizz. Like you guys were saying, there's some parts of it I like, but overall, I'm I'm just not really in on Champagne, and I'm not really in on the Bulls. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Champagne is is uh, it's kind of its own own beast. Like 
you you treat it like beer or wine it's or, not or hard alcohol yeah it's it's its own murky zone how it affects you there's got to be a time and a place for champagne yeah and small doses if you can help it uh let's go sixers caleb leave it lead us off for for this team i left them for for the last because they happen to be one of my favorite teams in the league this year yeah, absolutely. Me too. I had uh, Philly as just a really nice whiskey, which has uh, kind of become my drink as of late. And that's because I, I think Philly is the best team in the East. Um, I have them coming out of the East, going to the finals. Um, I'm actually picking them to win the title this year, um, just kind of as something a little dis- different. But I really like this roster. I really like what they did this offseason. Um, I think they're going to be incredible on defense, but the one the one big thing with them is going to be outside shooting and you know what they're getting from the guard position, um, especially with with Simmons. Is is he going to take a step as a scorer? Or is he going to be you know more of the same what we saw last year? Um, but I, I overall I I really like the roster. I really like how they've kind of rebuilt losing Jimmy and, you know, adding Richardson, adding Horford. Um, I think they're going to be really good this year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, complete agreement. Um, I, I kind of said uh, like the Philly's going all in as they had like last year, they're making moves to try to make sure their roster is as complete as possible. I said, they're an AMF. Like you're just going for it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the, I guess the one thing I, I kind of am worried about, you have, Richardson, who's a decent shooter, but maybe not known for that. Tobias Harris is a good shooter. Al Horford can shoot, and I guess I guess if you want to say Embiid can stretch, stretch a little bit, but I wouldn't say they're shooters by any means. I'm just kind of worried about the lack of shooting um, if you put Simmons, an obvious non-shooter, at point guard. Like, they lost one of the best shooters in the game, obviously, um, so, like, how do you, how do you, how do you kind of go, or where do you go from there? Uh, maybe, maybe play more Mike Scott. Um, I'm, I'm just not exactly sure how you uh, reproduce what JJ Redick was able to do for you. Um, Brandon, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna get something about uh, another, another dog here. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. No. Uh, <laughs> The, the Philadelphia 76ers are shotgunning beers. And the reason that they are shotgunning beers is because the quickest way between two points, as uh, as you may know, is a straight line. And they are doing that in a lot of senses. As Caleb said, they're going, or as Jordan said, they're going for it AMF style. Uh, the departure of Jimmy Butler and the uh, kind of what are they going to do between Butler and Harris? How are they going to make that work? Uh, salvaging Josh Richardson out of that was kind of incredible. Um, flipping Butler, who's comes with with some baggage, um, despite his talents, you get you get Richardson, who's like for all accounts a really agreeable guy to work with, um, and much more of like a a complimentary piece. That being said, Jimmy Butler was one of the only guys uh, who wanted the ball. It seemed like in in tense situations in the playoffs last year. So I think it really does come down to you know Art Embiid and Ben Simmons ready to be that guy because Ben Simmons was basically like. I don't know, uh, Kev- Kevon Looney at, at a certain point for, for the Sixers last year, just in terms of standing by the basket in a dunker spot, um, not as like a go-to make something happen off the dribble uh, type guy. But yeah, I mean, regardless, this team just has two superstar or close players, Embiid, Ben Simmons, 
three really, really good players in, in Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, uh, and Al Horford now, and then a lot of just upside pieces. Uh, uh, Jonah Bolden, I thought, was was enticing at points last year. Zaire Smith, uh, healthy, not infected, or whatever was going on with him last year. Uh, and then uh, I did save it, Matisse Thibel, because I am so happy that the rest of the world gets to enjoy uh, what what we had all seen here in uh, or not here, but in in Seattle with Husky basketball in the last the last years, and just the the idea that his skills are transferring and that this isn't just some zone thing, and that like no, he's actually just one of the more gifted uh, athletes and defenders that has come into the draft in a while. Per thirty six minutes, Matisse Thybul is averaging five point six steals and two point eight blocks in in the preseason, and that doesn't mean a whole lot, but um, it uh, it at least proves that there's some competency there. And my question to you is, how badly do you want to try and score on a team, or on a roster, or on a, a five-man lineup that includes Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybul, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid? And I think the yeah. Sixers are betting on that, uh, that defensively they can clamp you down. The problem is that uh, Tobias Harris is not on that lineup, and he might be your best shot creator of anyone on that. Uh, on that. So, yeah, they, they have a lot to figure out, but... Um, they have so much to work with and a very long season to try and figure all that out. Uh, but either way, as Caleb said, I, I'm not too far behind you, Caleb, in, in liking them to uh, uh, to make the finals and, and potentially win it. Yeah, yeah. And, and throw in Zaire Smith on that list of athletes who you can just go in and plug and play at either the one or the two, maybe even the three as, as far as a defensive player. And then they got James Ennis as well. Mm-hmm. They have versatility. Um, so yeah, totally agree. Yeah. But offensively, I mean, a lot of their stuff was JJ Redick just sprinting around looking for opening open shots and hitting them. And I mean, they have, they have no one who's even close to that role. Um, so it's, it's going to look a lot different for them this year. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully it's a lot more, uh, I think pace is one way that they can really attack people. Um, Ben Simmons in, in transition is something very few teams are equipped to deal with. Um, and like you said, Jordan, with the athletes that they have around him, uh, that is an opportunity for them to, to put points on a board on the board in a different, different sort of way. Uh, okay. Caleb, I, I don't know if you have any other thoughts, but uh, Jordan, and I both forgot to congratulate you. You, since the last time we've, we've spoken with you uh, are a married man and that is very exciting. And uh, we are both huge fans of your lovely bride and uh, you know, congrats, man. That's, that's, that's big. Thank shit. you. Thank you. Congratulations, Caleb. Yeah, we were bummed you guys couldn't be there, but, you know, yeah. and, but, yeah, we're excited. A new chapter, for sure. Well, sounds like uh, there will be other opportunities to come to Hawaii, and I will yeah. definitely take you up on that, because that's uh, it's a fun place, I've heard. Yeah, you guys are always welcome. Appreciate that. Mahalo, yeah, baby. Uh, anything else that you want to say to the, uh, to the, uh, the bartender's crowd before you get off here? No, I, I yeah, I gotta hop off. But uh, what are, what are you guys' final predictions? Oof. I should be ready for this, huh? Um, I'll go. I'll go. Clip Sixers. Yeah, that's what I have too. Uh, I Actually, can I change? Can I change that? Yeah. Nugget Sixers. Whoa. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I guess I got six days coming out of the East, and I'm going to go with the Clips. Yeah, that Clippers roster is 
really, really scary. It's really yeah. good. They're fun. Yeah, I'm just kind of betting on them being like the fourth seed because of weird stuff, injury related and whatnot. Uh, and that you know, that's kind. Of, I was thinking, but I was looking at their roster last night, and like if if Paul Paul George plays. 60 games and Kawhi plays 60 games. They have a lot of other guys that I think can carry the load. Yeah, they're they're definitely not thin. Yeah. Yeah. Lou Williams and Montreal Harrow are still there. So, you know, yep. they'll be fine. Uh, all right, Caleb, we'll let you go. Uh, Jordan and I will hop on for the Western Conference edition of this same show. All right. Good talk, fellas. Peace, brother. Peace, brother.